The first two and a half programs of Masechta discussed the act of making a nether. Which expressions work? We learnt about a yad or a kinui, about a hat posa, and in the, in the third parak we learnt about nedarim which don't begin because there is a lack of intention to make a nether at the time of the nether, so it's not considered to be a real nether. And then from halfway into the third parak, the Mishnah went on to the next part of the Masechta, really, the second section, which discusses what is included in each type of neder. So those Mishnahists in the third parak discussed what's included based on Loshon Bene Odom, on how people speak, and indeed the sixth, seventh, and eighth parak of the Masechta also discuss Loshon Bene Odom, defining what is included in each neder. Now the fourth and fifth parak also discuss what's included in each neder, but it doesn't focus on Loshon Bene Odom, rather it focuses on what is considered to be real benefit, which type of benefits are included in the prohibition of a neder, if there is any way that somebody can benefit the other person, if they are forbidden by a neder. And just before you continue with the fourth parak, it's important to learn three terms. One of these terms will be used much more often than the other two, and those three terms are firstly neider. A neider is somebody who makes a neder prohibiting himself. So he would say, for example, all apples in the world, or he would say that so-and-so's apples are forbidden for me to benefit from. The second term is a madir. A madir is somebody who makes a nether prohibiting somebody else from benefiting from his items. And thirdly, the mudar is the person who is prohibited to benefit from the other person. And technically speaking, a nader, somebody who prohibits himself to benefit from somebody else's property, is also considered to be a mudar. A mudar refers to anybody who is under the prohibition of a nether to benefit from somebody else. So let's just give an example. Let's say Ruvain makes a nether that Shimon cannot benefit from him. So Ruvain would be the Mader, and Shimon would be the Mudar. Or let's say Shimon made a nether that he himself cannot benefit from Ruvain. So in that case as well, Shimon would be the Mudar. He is the one prohibited. And in this case, there is no Mader, there is only a Noider who is also Shimon. Be as it may, the Mishnah tells us that Hamudar Hanami Chaveiroi, one who is prohibited by a neder to benefit from his friend. So let's say Shimon is forbidden to benefit from Ruvain. The Mishnah is going to teach that Ruvain is allowed to benefit Shimon in an indirect way. For example, Shoikalis Shikloi. He can be the one to give the half shekel donation, which is an obligation upon everybody once a year, to give a machatzis a shekel, a half shekel, to the Beis Hamikdash, and one is able to give it on behalf of somebody else. So even though Shimon is forbidden to benefit from Ruvain, Ruvain is able to give the shekel on Shimon's behalf, and that way Shimon would be exempt, because even though he is saving Shimon money, that is indirect benefit. On a similar note, Reuven is able to pay off Shimon's debt. Let's say Shimon owes money to Levi. Reuven is able to pay Levi that money which Shimon owes, thus saving Shimon that money. Because again, it's totally indirect, and a neder only forbids direct benefit, but not indirect benefit. And thirdly, says Mishnah, and Reuven can return Shimon's lost item. If Shimon loses something, then Reuven can return it to him, because firstly, he's not actually giving him anything. It was Shimon's all along. And even the benefit which Shimon does get from actually getting his item back is not considered as if Reuven is doing an action in order to benefit Shimon. There's a mitzvah mid-eraisal that if you find something which is lost, you are obligated to return it to its owner. So when Reuven is returning it to Shimon, he's just fulfilling his mitzvah. 
that action is not defined as an action which is benefiting Shimon. It's defined as an action which Reuben is doing in order to fulfill his mitzvah, and therefore it is not forbidden. However, says the Mishnah, what happens in a case where both Reuben and Shimon are forbidden to benefit from each other? They are both considered to be a mudar to the other one. And then one of them finds, let's say Reuven finds the item which Shimon lost, and they are in a location where Mekayim Shonetun Oleho Sochar. They're in a location where the custom was that somebody who would return an item to the person who lost it, if it meant that he had to take some time off work in order to do that, and therefore he lost out on the money he would have earned there, the custom in many places was that the owner of the item who got his item back would need to compensate to some extent the man who brought him that item. So in such a location, it's forbidden for Reuven to return the item to Shimon in a regular way. Because if he gives it to Shimon and then Shimon pays Reuven for it, so Shimon is now benefiting Reuven. It's true that Reuven is allowed to give the item back to Shimon, as we explained, he's just fulfilling his mitzvah, but Shimon will not be able to give Reuven money. Alright, so then Shimon won't give him the money. But he can't just not give him the money, because if the customer in that place is that he needs to give him the money, then it's an obligation to pay Ruvain. So the only solution would be for Ruvain to forego on that money, to tell Shimon that, you know what, you can keep the money. But if he does that, then it comes out that Ruvain is benefiting Shimon. So what should we do? Ruvain shouldn't return the item back to Shimon. But there's an obligation that when you find something, you have to return it back to its owner. So the Mishnah says you should return it back to Shimon, and the benefit of that money, meaning that money which Shimon would pay to Ruvain, he should pay it to Hekdash, to the Beis Hamikdash. So that way no one is gaining. Shimon does end up paying it, but he just doesn't pay it to Ruvain. He would pay it to Hekdash, and the truth is, he could also just throw it into the sea. The point is, it has to be that Shimon loses the money, and Ruvain does not receive the money. Mr. Gimbal, the Mishnah continues with the list of things which, in a case where Shimon is forbidden to benefit from Ruvain, what things can Ruvain do on behalf of Shimon? Now, when it comes to separating tithes from one's produce, the various gifts which need to be given to a coin or a levy or poor people, the halach is that one is able to do so for somebody else on his behalf, even from that other person's field. I can go to my friend's field as long as I have the permission of the owner and I can designate part of it as truma, for example. That's one of the tithes which go to a koyen. And even if he doesn't appoint me to be his messenger, so it's not as if the owner himself is doing it just via me, even if I'm doing it myself, as long as I have his permission, that, that works. And the Mishnah says that Vitormes Trumoso my space of Ledaitai, Reuben would be able to separate the Trumas and the Mysos, the various tithes, from Shimon's field with Shimon's consent, with his permission. However, Shimon is not able to appoint him as a messenger to do so, because then he, that would be considered to be a benefit. He told somebody to do something, and that person did it. So just the fact that that person is following his orders, that itself is considered to be a benefit. But if he just says that he sort of declares out loud, if somebody wants to separate Trumosomysis from my field, they can do so. And then Reuven goes ahead and does it. That is permitted because he is not actually giving anything or benefiting Shimon in any real way. As well as that, Umakrivalov, if Reuben is a Koyain, then he can offer Karbonis on behalf of Shimon. If Shimon brings certain Karbonis which he is obligated to bring, then Reuben can offer them on his behalf. And the reason for this is because Kohanim are not considered to be the messengers of the people who send the Karbonis. Rather, they are called Shluchidrachmona. 
as it were, the messengers of Hashem in some way, meaning they're doing the job which they were appointed to do by Hashem, and they're not serving as the halachic messengers of those who are bringing karbonos. Now, there are certain people who become tome, impure, with a severe level of tumor which forbids them to eat karbonos. And only once they go to the mikveh after waiting enough time, they go to the mikveh, and then the next day they bring karbonos for the tumor which they had, only once they've brought, they've brought those karbonos are they allowed to eat from then on the meat of any karbonos. And these people are known as mechustre kapara, which literally means they are lacking in atonement, and that means that the karbonos are required in order to be able to eat other karbonos. So I might have thought that it's all very good with regular karbonos, Reuven is able to offer them up on behalf of Shimon, because he's not considered to be Shimon's messenger. However, karbonos of Mechustre Kapara are different, because by Reuven offering up this karbon, he is thereby allowing Shimon to go and eat the meat of karbonos. However, that is considered to be an indirect benefit, and therefore even those karbonos, kinezovim kinezovos, the bird offerings of a zov or a zova, who is a man or a woman, with a severe level of tumor, kineyoldos, the bird offerings of women who give birth, chatois v'ashomois, a korban chatas or a korban osham, some of which are korbonis which allow the person to eat korbonis later on. Not all chatois v'ashomois, but certain ones are. Because again, that is considered to be an indirect benefit, that they'll be able to eat other korbonis. Now it is learned from Psukim that anything which Hashem taught Moshe on Har Sinai, when that Torah gets passed down throughout the generations, both Torah Shebichsav, the written Torah, and Torah Shebalpeh, oral Torah, it is forbidden for anybody to teach that Torah to somebody else and charge money for that. Just like Hashem taught Moshe for free, so too it is learned from Pesukim that whenever somebody teaches that Torah, he cannot charge money for it. However, those parts of Torah which were not given to Moshe at Har Sinai, for example, the tune which is used for laning, for reading from the Torah, if part of what one is teaching somebody is that, then they can charge money for that, because that was not taught to Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, regarding the Torah which is forbidden to teach for money, Reuven is permitted to teach Shimon, without Shimon paying Reuven. Because since it's forbidden to charge money for this, the fact that Shimon isn't paying Reuven is not considered to be that Reuven is allowing him to save money. And if he wouldn't teach him, he would have to go and pay somebody else to teach him. We never pay somebody else because it's forbidden to take money for teaching this Torah. Alright, but still it's a bit difficult, this Mishnah. Because the fact that he is giving the other person knowledge, that in itself is considered to be a benefit. However, there is a rule that mitzvah slavihonis nitnu mitzvahs were not given for the benefit. Just like we saw in the previous Mishnah, that if Reuben is just fulfilling the mitzvah of returning Shimon's lost item, so it's not considered to be a benefit, so too whenever somebody does a mitzvah, that mitzvah is not considered, halakhically speaking, to be considered to be a benefit. And therefore to give over that knowledge, that Torah to Shimon would not be considered benefiting him, and so Melamdo Medrash, he can teach him Medrash, Halachas, that God us all different ways of interpreting the Torah, which were given to Moshe at Har Sinai, but he cannot teach him Tanakh, because when doing so, he would also teach him the tune of the laning, and it is permitted to receive money for this, so if he teaches Shimon free of charge, this Torah is considered to be benefiting him, because people would generally have to pay for this, so he is saving Shimon money. And it's not considered to be an indirect benefit, which we learned in the previous Mishnah is permitted, because here he is dealing with Shimon directly. He's saving him money by doing something for him. He's teaching him Torah for free, so it's not considered to be indirect. 
However, if Shimon were to pay Ruvain, then indeed it would be permitted. And continues the Mishnah, Ruvain is permitted to teach Shimon's sons and daughters Tanakh with the laning. They are not prohibited by a neder to benefit from Ruvain. And even though it could be argued that Ruvain is benefiting Shimon, since Shimon is really obligated to teach his children Torah to educate them, and Ruvain is fulfilling this obligation for Shimon, that's not considered to be a benefit because Shimon could find any other teacher to teach his children. He doesn't need particularly Ruvain to do it, so it's not considered to be a benefit. Alright, Vizonis Ishtoi Vesbonov, Ruvain is permitted to feed Shimon's wife and children, even though Shimon is obligated to support them because this is considered to be an indirect benefit to Shimon, just like when Ruvain pays off Shimon's debt. However, Vileosnes Behemtoi, Ruin is forbidden to feed Shimon's animal, whether it's a non-kosher animal or a kosher animal, because by fattening up that animal, he is increasing its value. There'll now be more of the animal to eat, and that's certainly considered to be benefiting Shimon. However, interestingly, Rebeliezer and Rebeliezer says, Zonasatameo. He can feed the non-kosher animal. It's only the kosher animal which is not, a- which is not able to feed. What's the difference between a non-kosher animal and a kosher animal? Either way, he's increasing its value and thereby benefiting Shimon. said back to the Chachomim, My logic is as follows, Because when it comes to a kosher animal, When its soul goes up to heaven, meaning when the animal dies, its body belongs and can be benefited from and eaten by the owner. But a non-kosher animal, both its soul and its body, once it's dead, are to the heaven. Meaning he can't benefit from it once it's dead, because he is not able to eat it. Non-kosher animals were just used as working animals. Now, fattening up a working animal is not considered to be a benefit. The only benefit of fattening the animal up is that once it dies, there'll be more to eat. So when it comes to a non-kosher animal which you can't eat, by Reuven fattening it up, it's certainly not considered to be a benefit. Even when it comes to a non-kosher animal, that's not true. When it soars up to heaven and it dies, its body does belong to him and he can benefit from the body. Because if he wants to, he can sell the animal to non-Jews or feed it to the dogs. And therefore, even when it comes to a non-kosher animal, the fact that it is fatter and has more flesh is considered to be a benefit. One who is forbidden to benefit from his friend. So continuing with our example, Shimon is forbidden to benefit from Ruvain. And then Shimon became ill, and Ruvain entered his room in order to visit him, to perform the mitzvah of Bikr Chaylim. So that in itself is permitted because mitzvahs mitzvahs were not given and are not considered to be benefit, and therefore it's permitted. However, the mitzvah does not continue forever. If somebody stays there for hours upon hours, in certain scenarios, depending on the case, it could be fulfilled the mitzvah already in the first half hour. So the Mishnah says, he can only visit him if he is still standing up. But he cannot sit down while he is visiting him. If he sits down, then we're concerned that he might stay there for too long, past the stage where he is still fulfilling the mitzvah, and then it would already be considered to be benefiting the ill person, which would of course be forbidden. Morap Erufras Nefesh, Reuven is permitted to heal Shimon if Shimon himself is ill. The Gemara explains that this is considered to be like Hashavah Saveda, like returning a lost item. If somebody is ill, so you're returning him his health. 
So just like it's permitted to return somebody's lost item, it is also permitted if he is a doctor to heal him. But he cannot heal his possessions, meaning his animals. Because when it comes to animal doctors, you could just as well go to a different animal doctor. When it comes to human beings, so it depends. Each doctor has success with different patients. It's not necessarily true that he could have just gone to a different doctor and he would have got the same successful results. However, when it comes to an animal doctor, he could just go to somebody else and therefore it's not considered to be that the animal's health was lost and you're returning the lost health. It was never really lost because it's so easy to just go to a different doctor. Right, continues the list. Ruven may bathe together with Shimon in a very large bathtub or a large body of water. But not in a small body of water because then every time Ruven moves a bit, then he'll push the water towards Shimon and that would be benefiting Shimon slightly, which is forbidden. It is permitted, according to the Tanakama, for Ruven to sleep in the same bed as Shimon. It's not considered to be a benefit. However, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yehuda says, it's only permitted in the summer. I will live most like but not in the winter, because then it is cold, and if two people sleep next to each other in the same bed, then each one warms up the other. Because then it's considered to be a benefit. However, if it's just a question of sitting on the same bed or couch, then even in the winter, according to everybody, he is allowed to recline or sit on the same couch or bed, and we're not concerned that they'll fall asleep and warm each other up. Ruin is permitted to eat on the same table as him. We're not concerned that he'll share his food with Shimon. But not with a plate of food. Tamchoy is a sort of large bowl of food which is shared between them. In that way's case, we're concerned that Reuven might leave some food or push some food to the other side of the plate for Shimon to take. However, if that bowl, which is shared between them, is a bowl which will go back to the person who is hosting them, and he'll just fill it up again, so then we're not concerned that Ruven's going to be nice and share some more food, and push over some of the food or leave some of it for Shimon, because they know that as soon as they're finished, they'll just go to the host and they'll fill it up again. So in that case, we're not concerned that Ruven will give some of the food and leave it over for Shimon. Ruven cannot eat together with Shimon from the container of food which is placed in front of workers. Because again, if Ruven leaves some of it for Shimon, that's considered to be benefiting him. But he cannot work on the same row in the field as Shimon. Because for example, if he cuts some of the branches or makes a clearing in the field, that would make it easier for Shimon to then pass through that part of the field. And in fact, the country mayor, even if they are working very far away from each other, if it's the same row, it is still forbidden, because we're concerned that they might come to work close to each other. To Reb Meir, that is the opinion of Reb Meir. However, Ruvain can work on the same row far away from him, and we are not concerned that they will come to work together, closer together on the same row. Mishnah Hay, every seven years, for one full year, there is a Shmita year, during which it is forbidden to work the fields, and everything, all of the produce in one's field, is considered ownerless for anybody to come and take it and eat it. Somebody who becomes forbidden by a neder to benefit from his friend. So again, Shimon is forbidden to benefit from Ruvain because of a neder which Ruvain made before the Shmita year. So just like anybody who is forbidden to benefit from somebody else, Shimon cannot go into Ruvain's field, and he cannot eat from the produce which is leaning to outside of his field. 
even if he doesn't need to go into his property in order to reach that. And this is even once Shmitar arrives. Even though once Shmitar arrives, the produce is ownerless, so it's no longer Ruvain's. So he's not benefiting from Ruvain by eating that produce. Nevertheless, since the nether was made before Shmitar, and that produce became forbidden already, so even once it leaves Ruvain's property, Ruvain's domain and ownership, the prohibition of the nether remains. On the other hand, if Ruvain only made the nether of Ashavius during Shmita, so then already at the time of the nether, he didn't own that produce. So it's true that Enoyodesilchadehu, Shimon can't go into Ruvain's field, because the land itself still belongs to Ruvain. However, the produce of Shimon may eat from the produce which leans to outside of his field, since the nether does not apply to that, since it no longer belongs to Ruvain. Now what happens if not Armenu Machal, if the entire nether was only against benefit concerning food? So if Neshaviyas, if he made the nether before Shemitah, then certainly Yodasur Sadehu, Shimon can go into Reuven's field, because that's not anything to do with food. But he cannot eat from the produce. And even once Shemitah arrives, like we explained, he would not be able to eat from that produce. So that Shavias, however, if he only made the nether during Shemitah, then Yoyred, he can go into his field, and he can eat that produce, because the produce does not belong to Ruvain.